train. How you going? Ah, uh, listen to this. We've pulled it off. We have. Welcome, uh, Birds Down Under fans. Uh, I am very pleased to announce that we finally have Melbourne <laughs> Mike, Cowboys Mike. What are we? What are you going by these days? Uh, look, I think Melbourne Mike just has a nice ring to it when you think about it. Alliteration is always the best way. It does. I just feel dirty about it. You know, you live in Sydney. <laughs> you, you're from Sydney. You're a Sydney boy. You know, you moved move there for work. So I just, I get it. I get it. That's what we'll go. We'll, we'll call you Melbourne Mike. It just, it makes sense. And it rolls off the tongue really nicely. It really does. So, uh, hey, it's great to have you here, Mike. We, I think you've been mentioned in every single episode of <laughs> so far. I did notice that. So it was time I made an actual appearance so it didn't sound like a made-up friend. Right, right. So let me preface uh, why you're here, why you're going to be a great guest, and I, I dare say a multiple-time guest on the show. So Michael is potentially the greatest Australian sports fan that this country has. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I don't know anybody who knows more about every code of Australian sport than Mike does. Um, and he has no business somehow also being a walking encyclopedia of NFL knowledge, but somehow... The man has the time to also fit in being a very, very knowledgeable NFL fan and a Cowboys fan to boot. And we've been friends now, Mike, I think for about 14 years. That sounds about right, hey? 2008? That sounds, sounds pretty close, yep. Yeah, we're colleagues. We made that jump from colleagues to actual friends. Uh, and, you know, despite being a Cowboys fan, we've always stayed friends and friendly during the NFL season. Um, so, hey, you know, it's, it's, it, it's awesome to have you here. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's get stuck in here. Fantastic. So first off, this sounds like it's actually working pretty well. You've obviously got a pretty good internet connection on your side, I'm guessing. Yep. Everything's working strongly here. The, uh, the NBN can be problematic at times, but uh, it's, it's holding well right now. For now, we could probably convince people we're in the same room. So uh, whatever, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so, Mike, you've got to tell the listeners first off um, how you became a fan of the Eagles' mortal enemy, the Dallas Cowboys. So let's, let's start there. Like, break it down for us. How did that happen? Okay, so back in the dim, dark mists of time, uh, 1985 to be precise, I was doing a job where there were two Americans that I was working with. One of them, absolutely mad baseball fan, and one of them, diehard NFL fan. And they would argue with each other over which sport was the best sport. Now, as a, a young Aussie at the time, I didn't really know anything about baseball or the NFL. And so they were each doing their best to sell me on their respective team. Now, not wanting to pick sides, I just said, fine. Greg, you like the Cowboys. I'm now a Cowboys fan. Mark, you like the Rangers. I'm now a Rangers fan. And I grew up in that era where once you choose a team, that's your team for life. There doesn't have to be a logical reason behind it. There doesn't have to be any sense. I didn't even know what the NFL was at that time. I mean, yeah, in Australia, we called it gridiron. That's how, uh, that's how far away from any level of knowledge that we were. But from that day on, having made that decision to choose that team, they were my team, and um, I've been following them ever since, although back in 85 through to sort of the early 90s, that was a fairly difficult exercise to do from down here in Australia because we really got very, very limited information, maybe a 30-second highlight package of the Super Bowl, but not much else. Yeah, that's, I mean, okay, first off, I've known you a long time, and I've never actually asked this question before, so that's <laughs> 
That's pretty startling. I mean, my NFL fanship of the Eagles started in 1990, so you predate me by five years. And, yeah, I mean, you would have heard the Matt Cause episode where he pointed out back in the day, you know, as North Americans, we were lucky to get the highlight package on the Sunday night. We certainly didn't get our games regularly, but to think what that would have been like as a Cowboys fan in Australia in 1986, that's absurd. Um, so, like, yeah. how did you stay connected to the team back then? Um, to be honest, I actually didn't. So, you know, when you sort of pick something up, you just go, cool, well, that's my team. And you don't really think much more of it. And as I say, every now and then you would see something. Um, <clears throat> there might be a Sports Illustrated mag which had a story on the Cowboys because even when they were in the dim, dark days of being absolutely terrible, um, which for, you know, periods of the time that I was supporting them, they certainly were, um, you know, they still were a brand that was recognisable. And obviously you know, once Jerry Jones came in and took over, that um, sent them into a new stratosphere. And um, we saw today um, the valuation of the Cowboys now is $8 billion, which makes them the most valuable sports um, team in North America again. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I steadily found little ways to catch up, but it was really in the early 90s that it was able to take off. Um little history here in Australia. There's a gentleman that the Australian listeners will know um, by the name of Don Lane, who was a late night TV guy. Um, he was kind of our version of, I suppose, Johnny Carson to, you know, use a fairly poor kind of descriptor. And he had a late night TV show. He's an American guy. And when he finished that late night TV show, he decided he wanted to bring the NFL to Australia. And he secured the rights for the ABC to show one game per week. And he would come on and he knew the sport really well, obviously. So he would educate us and we would get sort of an abridged highlights package of one game. And then, you know, the, the 40 second sort of packages of everything else. And that was the first time I ever actually watched the Cowboys play a game live. And live, as in live on TV, not live, live. I've sure, never sure. seen them live. It's something I is in my bucket list um, for, for, you know, to be achieved at some point in my life. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, I think that's a pretty achievable bucket list item. I will say. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to, I'd like to think that you do accomplish that. Who knows? Maybe someday you and I go to a game together. Although, as I've always told you, I'm not a good person to watch an Eagles Cowboys game with. I'm too emotionally invested. In, <laughs> as some of my Canadian friends will attest, can be a slight bit surly at times when I'm watching Eagles. And, and you know, you, I'm assuming you've listened to my podcast, or at least you told me you have. You'll know that I do pay great respect to the Cowboys. And indeed, in recent years, you have whooped us. So actually, it's probably better that we don't go to a game together. But um, nevertheless, and, and, you know, it's funny if I if I think back, uh, you know, before I was a fan, I know that the Cowboys went through a rebuild and you had Troy Aikman as a rookie. And I want to say 88 or 89. And he happened to play against an Eagles team at that time that was very proficient at sacking quarterbacks. And there's a terrible story. of I think he was a rookie where he got sacked like 11 times in a game or something. Um, and yep. who'd have thunk it that that guy would go on to win multiple Super Bowls, I believe four for the Cowboys. And that Eagles defense, while notorious, never really did much, um, despite, you know, a, a very good regular season, you know, performance that they would they would provide. But um, Indeed. well, yeah. the very first game I ever watched, and this you will appreciate, and something that, you know, might salve some of the pain recently, was 1991, and it was the Cowboys Eagles. And you absolutely smoked us. I believe it was 24 nil. Got it. Um, they hadn't yet become that juggernaut Cowboys. But in that game, 
and this, I guess, kind of set up my love for for the you know NFL full stop, but certainly of the Cowboys. In that game, Troy Aikman threw just a, oh, dear, i got to get rid of the ball pass to Jay Novacek, who was absolutely destroyed by one of the, um, the Eagles' backs. I don't know who it was. I don't remember that much about it, other than just seeing like what looked like almost an act of murder occur on the field. Novacek is crumpled on the ground. The guy rolls off him and he just gets up, walks back into the line, takes the next pass immediately. And it only made about four yards, but I just remember watching that and just thinking, good gracious, this sport is something else. I need to learn more about it. Well, it would have been one of the Eagles safeties, I imagine, Andre Waters or Wes Hopkins, who were both big, big hitters. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a great story. I mean, Novacek was such a, an amazing tight end for you guys and so tough. So I'm, I'm not surprised to hear it, frankly. And he always drove me insane because we would <laughs> lay these massive hits on him and he'd bounce up and the next play he'd probably, you know, catch a 20 yard seam pass on us. So, um, you know, not surprising, but that's a cool memory of yours. And uh, I'm trying to rack my brains if I got to see that game in 1991. I'm not sure that I did. Um, that was back, you know, I became a fan in the 1990 season, but 1991, it's not like I had good coverage to see the team myself. So, um, pretty spotty per Matt's comments. You know, you were just happy if your game was on and rarely were they. So, yeah. Um, well, that's a great uh, initial kind of how you became a Cowboys fan story. I love it. Um, so let's get into um, actually your favorite Cowboys moment would be something I'd, I'd love to hear next. You know, you've got a long history with this team. Is there a particular moment that stands out to you just like that? You know, you, that's a great story you just told us, but I'm assuming there's probably a moment um, in one of those Super Bowl runs, for example, that just stands out. What, what would that be? Look, I think, <clears throat> again, we were still a little bit shy of really getting much coverage down here, right? I mean, this is pre-internet days. So we didn't really get a lot. And it wasn't, I think, probably until much later when um the the wade phillips teams of all things where we started to get really good regular coverage and for all that um you know we lost in the divisional playoffs at that point it's a you know it's perhaps a, a terrible memory but we had a game against the green bay packers now even i as a relative newbie fan who knew a few americans by then knew the packers were just a, a storied you know roster they were they were the packers right i mean they are one of the greatest um, you know, football franchises known to mankind. But we beat them that year 37-27. And it was one of the most extraordinary experiences to think that we'd managed to, you know, knock off one of the great franchises in a pretty high-scoring game because Dallas was not great. If we let in points in those years, we tended to let in a lot, but we also didn't really score necessarily a lot. And that was in the, the time of Romo when he was like, you know, becoming you know one of the underrated, I think still, but one of the great quarterbacks that we had. And there was Terrell Owens and Patrick Creighton and names now that probably don't mean all that much, but that were just, it was just such an amazing experience to watch a game. And it was a game really that we started strongly, but then Green Bay were coming as they do, right? Fourth quarter, it looked like it was all over, but we managed to to get ourselves together um, 
you know, Romo on that day, just he had one of those days. I mean, you watch him play enough times to know he'd get into those modes where it was like he was, you know, on the crazy joystick on Madden, where he'd just bounce around and people would be flying past his ears. You would think he's going to get sacked about 17 times. And suddenly he would plant that front foot and heave a pass into, at times, triple coverage, which was probably one of his downfalls. But it was just a remarkable experience to watch a game where we beat what to me was like a legendary team. Um, and there, I guess they're kind of things that you, you will always remember. And you just think that's, it's just something, something quite special to see a game like that, that we probably should have lost, but somehow they rallied, um, in the fourth quarter when all was going against them and, um, they, they ran away with it. I love it. What a memory. And it's funny you mentioned Terrell Owens. I mean, obviously he played for both of our franchises and it's kind of easy to forget, you know, he was prolific in San Francisco then he goes to Dallas. I think his next stop was Philadelphia, I believe. And then he was, I think, a Bengal and then a Buffalo Bill to finish his career, I believe. Um, but, you know, geez, I mean, that guy was exceptional for you guys, exceptional for us. You know, got us in many respects, got the Eagles to the Super Bowl in 2005 on yep. that remarkable <clears throat> one-legged, you know, he, he broke in his leg. Actually, it was against you guys. It was your safety, Roy Williams. Horse collared him uh, in the regular <laughs> season, broke his yep. whatever fibula, tibula. Um, and he came back like five weeks later for the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's, it's remarkable to think that one guy had such an impact on both of our franchises. Uh, because, you know, if I if I think of our history, our collective history, Eagles, Cowboys, there hasn't been a ton of um, players that have kind of gone across both franchises. Miles Austin had a couple of bad seasons or at least one season with the Eagles well after past his prime with you guys as a, as a pretty great receiver with Tony Romo. Yeah. But I can't. I can't think of a lot of other names where I'm like, oh man, we oh we had Demarcus uh, Demarco Murray running back. Yes, you did. Rush for like two thousand yards with you guys, and the next year came to us and was absolutely garbage. Um, you know that that was a funny one. I tell you, you know, looking back, he'd been so good for the Cowboys and came to the Eagles and just Chip Kelly didn't use him the right way, and it was really painful to watch, frankly. <clears throat> um, but we don't have a lot of shared experiences with those types of players, so it's interesting that uh, you you raised To. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of crossover. Um, and I think perhaps more so now you'll see it. I think in the times gone by, right, when when you were first getting in and when I was sort of settling in there, there was genuine rivalries between these teams. You know, it, it was it was one of those things if you were if you played for the Eagles or the you know the the Giants or Washington, you really were loath to go to one of your division rivals because it was seen as something of a betrayal. And I think there was a lot more reluctance then. I mean, now free agency, it kind of encourages it, right? Like it's wherever the money is or wherever the roster spot is, people move a lot more. And I think sometimes that tribal nature has not necessarily disappeared, but it's certainly, I think, faded in recent years. So you will see a few more players, I think, bounce around from divisional rival to divisional rival. Yeah, you might be you might be right about that. Although it hasn't happened yet, so it'll be curious to see. Uh, I, I think there's there's such a strong dislike, certainly in Philadelphia for Dallas, and, and I, I get <laughs> I get the sense these days that it's quite one sided. Because let's be honest, we've lost most of the games to you, um, and, and traditionally, when you're the losing end of a rivalry, you're the ones who are a little bit more passionate about it. Um, but yeah, I you know I hope you're wrong. I actually would love the fact that we haven't had that much crossover, so it's really two kind of unique rosters that kind of get built and go toe to toe every year, which is probably a great segue to let's, let's talk about your expectations for the season this year. You know, you've, you've got a really good team. You guys had a good season last year, a frustrating end, 
against the 49ers. But what do, what are you seeing from the Cowboys this year? Well, I think it's no secret that the Cowboys lost some players in free agency, right? And um, if, if you read the Cowboy blogs or look at the a lot of the Cowboy fan sites, they would suggest that uh, the team has absolutely cratered. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that that's the case. Um, <clears throat> ironically, this year, I think if we do really well, it will be off the back of our defense. And this is in spite of an offense that last year led the the league in yards. And in fact. In every season that Dak has been a regular starter, he has been somewhere in the top three or four for yards production um, across the season. And I did hear, um, and I, yes, I he, the, your friend said that um, mentioned the Dak and um, uh, oh, yeah. Cousins comparisons. Yeah. <clears throat> and some of the stats certainly do seem a little bit similar, but in no year has Kirk Cousins led the league. And yet every time Dak has been a regular starter, he certainly has. So just a, you know, a slight shot back because of course that's the way we work around here. Yeah. Um, but I think our defense has a chance to be really something quite special. Um, and look, we saw last year, Micah Parsons, <laughs> Much to everybody's surprise who was told in the um, drafting process that he would not really be able to rush the passer, became an otherworldly pass rusher and such a dynamic and versatile player. And when you consider we had some injury problems last year, I mean, every year in the NFL, every team will say the same thing. If we can stay healthy, we can be competitive. Um Dak as well last year had some injury issues when he went out. He, you know, was playing really well when he came back. The lower leg issue and the shoulder issue seemed to cause some problems. Before Zeke got injured, he was on track for 1,500 yards um, and was rushing at, I think, 5.6 yards an attempt. So if we can stay healthy, I think we can do really well. But it will be, I think, off the back of the defense. Um, we've got a really strong secondary uh, you know, if um, Jabril Cox comes back from injury and Anthony Barr, who we picked up, becomes a nice situational linebacker, then we've got a really versatile plug-and-play defense. And, you know, one of the underrated things last year for us was our safety play. Uh, and they picked up a few guys, you know, that were considered risks, you know, Hooker and Jaron Curse and people. And um, with safety play becoming so much more important in the league, as we see more and more defenses move towards this three safety model, um, you know, everybody's trying to do everything they can to stop the, the over routes and the deep plays because you want to, you know, make people go short. And if you give more options for people to most mistake, they're more likely to. So we've got a really versatile safety room. And there's a couple of um, undrafted free agents we picked up that are looking really, really good in pre-season that might also do well for us because it's safe to say our wide receiving stocks have taken a hit. Um, we lost Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, there's a lot can be said about Cooper. He he drifted in and out of games at time, but he's still a very, very good receiver. Um, Gallup tore his ACL. He looks like he's back on track pretty quickly, but the history that we've seen in the league is that often it's the second year that you do really well. So <clears throat> it's going to fall to CD Lamb who has the talent to be, I think, you know, one of the top four or five receivers in the league, but can he do it when it is him that is the focal point? And can Dak find a way to do that? Because he's always been someone who hasn't really locked onto one player and distributed around. And Kellen Moore's scheme is very much around just scheming particular players open, irrespective of who it is. So our depth on offense, I think, will be tested this year. But I think the strength for us will be in the defense. 
because we've got an interesting um, schedule. And in our first six games, I mean, we start back-to-back Tampa Bay Cincy, which is uh, not exactly a soft start to the year. And then we get a couple of, you know, the Giants and Washington. All right, we probably should do well there. But then we've got um, the Rams away and we've got Philly. <clears throat> so if we can come out of our first six games, I think even at three and three, we set ourselves up for a pretty solid run. But it won't be easy to start the season well. Um so, you know, panic sets in pretty quickly. And I guess the other big thing that everyone would point out, and, I, you know, I'm not alone in that myself as well, is can our coaching get out of its own way? Um, because there were a number of games last year where there were, as they would say in the classics, questionable coaching decisions, um, which probably led to a loss or two. And certainly it's been a hallmark of the Cowboys in the last four or five years that we do not seem to adjust to what the opposition do. And, you know, we we know this, good coaching can win you games that you should otherwise lose. And so I think, you know, they're the keys for us. If we can stay healthy, if our defence can do what it should to give ourselves time for the offence to gel, then I don't see why we shouldn't make the playoffs and I don't see why we couldn't, you know, even go one further this year. And I, But I think if we don't go one further um, this year, then the coaching staff will be uh, will probably be looking for new jobs. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with your assessment. I think Dan Quinn last year did such amazing things with your defense. Um, and, you know, with Micah Parsons, I wasn't too surprised, to be honest with you. I mean, he was great value where you got him. He ran like a 4.37 at a pro day. So, you know, 6.3, 200 and whatever, 50 pounds running a 4.3740. You have to like your chances of setting him loose. And, and I don't disagree with you that the draft pundits didn't necessarily view him as that. But um, he was put in the right situation and proved so versatile as well. I think it's not just the fact that he can rush the passer. I mean, he's a great linebacker all around. Um, Trayvon Diggs last year, your corner. I mean, geez, you know, what did you have? 10 interceptions, something absurd yeah. like that, you know? So yeah, you, you definitely got a lot of talent. I wasn't aware of the Anthony Barr signing from the Vikings, good pass rusher. So yeah, your defense is going to be formidable and, uh, I'm, you know, not looking forward to playing it. Uh, you guys give, <laughs> us, give us problems and, uh, you know, it feels like every year, um, we just, we, we don't adapt. You know, I, I feel like you're, 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 point about Mike McCarthy not making adjustments I feel like I could say the exact same thing back Eagles coaching staff with the Cowboys um, because we've had the same result for a few years in a row now and we just don't seem to figure out how to adjust Um, but I I, you know one of the things you guys frustratingly do extremely well is you replenish your talent your drafts every year are strong and so I have no doubt that CeeDee Lamb will be complimented by either Michael Gallup or somebody else that arises on the roster that uh, people weren't aware of like that kick return punt returner who uh turning <laughs> a kick return in the preseason what the heck is that all about yeah and he's very unlikely to make the team um so it's yeah i mean look speed you know we know this in the nfl right you've got to be big and fast if you can and if you can't be both of those, do one of them really, really well. And in that instance, you know, speed, absolutely told. Um, the kid has jets. So maybe, because we haven't really had a speed guy for a long time. So, you know, preseason, every now and then, a player comes through and does something quite remarkable and that turns their fortunes around. I wouldn't mind having a threat to return the ball back. It would be um, 
It'd be fun if the defences had to respect that a little bit more and couldn't perhaps be as aggressive on the punt coverage as they have been because we haven't had great special teams for a while as well. So that'll be interesting. I think where I look at the Eagles and, and the Cowboys and see, you know, the different philosophies, um, you know, the Eagles for years, they built through the line, right? It's it's the way that they play. And as a result of that, your secondary has been perhaps a little bit suspect. Yep. This year, you know, look, Bradbury and Slade, great corners, a little older, perhaps a little prone to injury. But once again, I think, you know, and I, I highlighted it before, but it's the safety play that might well be the downfall for the Eagles and, and the, the, you know, the, the strength for the Cowboys. Because we're seeing more and more of that, you know. I mean, we saw um, everybody tackle um, the Chiefs and put the two high shells and go to the more of that, you know, deep cover or quarters model. And to do that, you need really versatile safeties. You need someone who can play cover, someone who can move up into that middle of the field and try and take away those digs and curls, and someone who still has the ability to sort of do that slot blitzing off the edge. And I, I think that the Cowboys for so long did not prioritise safety. I mean, every year coming to the draft, it was listed as a team need. And year after year after year, they did not draft one. Or if they did, it was some random dude in the sixth or seventh round that even his parents weren't sure that he was playing football. Um, so for us to spend some money in that position recently, I think has been good. And I think it will be interesting to look at because... The Cowboys-Eagles battles, I mean, they are always line play games, right? Our offensive line against your defensive line. And, I mean, your D-line is just, wow. <laughs> um, you know, when you think that Jordan Davis was a luxury pick and he looks like just an astonishing athlete, um, I'm not sure that our offensive line is as, as strong as it was. And so it'll be a really interesting battle to play against that. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the two philosophies go head to head. I think it'll be a, a, a fascinating year for both of us. Yeah. As always, I tip my hat to your knowledge of uh, the opposition. You, you could, I couldn't agree with you more. Our safeties are absolutely the one, one position I look at and just say, geez, that's where we really need an upgrade. And, uh, I hope we can scheme around that kind of, you know, that gap in our, in our, in our personnel. But, um, Jonathan Gannon last year proved to be a pretty frustrating defensive coordinator to watch. Uh, particularly against good quarterbacks. I mean, uh, st terrible statistics about completion percentage and stuff. And I mean, Dak, Dak shredded us both games. And I, you know, I, 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 uh, I have really little optimism that we're going to change that. Just Dak has our number. He always has, as long as he's been a cowboy. So, um, and he's really good at, you know, finding that weak link, you know, whatever safety it is that can't stay over the top of CD lamb or, or whomever. Uh, and he, and yeah. he, and he, and he takes advantage of it. So, um, you know, I, uh, I couldn't agree with your assessment uh, more wholeheartedly. It's, uh, so we will see. One of the things I will say last year, the Eagles were the second worst sacking team in the National Football League. It is great to have Brandon Graham back healthy. Jordan Davis, as you mentioned. Um, but And Hassan Reddick really has to add something to our pass rush. But, uh, you know, it's not been a strength of the, the scheme. Because uh, I really do think in many respects you can scheme sacks. And Jonathan Gannon yep. just seems unwilling to do so. So we'll see. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be interesting this year because to me, you know, this is a real litmus test for the Eagles. If the Eagles have have made a move, they've got to split the series with you guys. Um, if we get beat up again, two games, you know, two out of two against the Cowboys, I just will look at it and say, you know, we're just not ready for prime time. Um, so it's going to be yeah. The odds makers are moving the Eagles up, right? There's um, it's becoming closer in terms of who might win the division. 
What I'm really interested for you guys this year is seeing how Nakobe Dean goes. Yeah. Because you haven't had a good linebacker in a while. No. And I know, look, everyone's going, oh, the next Micah Parsons. Look, he's not the next Micah Parsons, but geez, a smart footballer. And the fact that he fell to you in the third round because of some injury concerns and, you know, is he a little bit of a, you know, a problem character at times? Well, he's a, an aggressive, hardcore linebacker. And I believe in the preseason games, he's had the green dot for your defense. So if you've got a really solid linebacker who can be a little bit malleable with that front four that you've got, you might well be able to cover up for the, the defensive back play because there'll be so much pressure coming from so many different places. Um, as always, it comes down to health, right? Can Hargrove stay healthy? You know, can Davis hold up? Does Dean have the capacity to really be that flexible player? And if he does, I don't know. I think your defense has got a really good shot at causing havoc against any offensive line that's a little bit shaky in its protections. Yeah, I'm excited about Nakobe. He looked really good against the Jets in the preseason in the first game. He did not look good against the Browns. So our whole second team defense got really exposed against the Browns. And, and that sadly includes Jordan Davis. So um, we'll see if uh, Nakobe can kind of uh, regain his Jets form. But let's be honest, when you're showing, uh, you know, showing up against the Jets, that may just be an indication you're playing the Jets. Uh, <laughs> less than anything else. True. I mean, you know, he's funny. He's, he's a little guy. Anybody who makes a Micah Parsons compare is definitely not comparing their physical stature. I mean, Nakobe is small no. by any standard for NFL linebackers, and, and Micah is big by any standard for NFL linebackers. So um, it kind of ends there very quickly. But yeah, we'll see. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm reserving judgment on that pick. I think I, I loved it in the third round. It's great value. Yeah. Um, and you're right. We, our linebackers have been woeful since our Super Bowl year in 2017. So we'll see. Um, TJ Edwards has kind of carved out a nice niche for himself in the middle. And, and I think the problem is he is the impediment to, uh, to, to Nicobe getting on the field more. So we'll, uh, we'll just see how it shakes out. Out of curiosity, which rookie of yours are you most excited about this year? Ooh, well, I'm, the key to the season is going to be Tyler Smith at uh, left guard and yeah. or filling in at left tackle, right? So He's the one that um, that realistically has to have the biggest impact on the team. And if it's going to be, um, you know, a successful rehabilitation of the offensive line, he's definitely the one. But um, the other one, I think that, you know, really has some enormous potential um, and we'll get to showcase that because of the, um, the wide receiver situation is Jalen Tolbert. Uh, he is a very different kind of wide receiver to anyone we've had. He's got really good strength to box out. Um, he's been getting a lot of run in preseason. And yeah, like a bit the same as Dean, right? Looked good at one point, not so good at other points. He's still getting used to, I think, the strength of um, the defensive backs that you face when you're not in college, where they're, you know, it's a, a much different game. But I'm really excited to see what he can do. And same deal, it was a third round pick, right? He was one of those ones that it was like, there was a lot of buzz early on that the Cowboys were keen on him if he fell, and he did. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do because somebody has to take some of the pressure off um, C.D. Lamb, and it can't always be, you know, short curls to um, to whichever tight ends they happen to have out there. Um, and I think, you know, we did really well with that last year, but Tolbert is the one for me that I'm most excited to see what he can do. Yeah, cool. I've got to do some reading on him. I, I don't know a lot about him. Um yeah, well, got to love the rookies. It's always exciting to see what these young guys can do. Um, 
I, uh, I, I'm going to transition just briefly to Jordan Mylotta. As you know, that's the reason this <laughs> podcast exists. And I, I'm yep. curious, you know, I, I mean, I, I think his play on the field, you know, has exceeded anyone's wildest expectations of an Australian who never played any football until he got into the pros. But um, you, you know the story as well as I do. Uh, in fact, you you, uh, you seem to have done your research when I did the, the Jordan Mylotta episode. You <laughs> seem to know it all already, which is not surprising to me. Um, but, you know, Take take the audience through like how much of a long shot it is for a guy in his situation to have made it where he's gotten because I, I know you know this as well as anybody so you know what's your take there on on this guy? I mean it it really is quite extraordinary, right? If you'd pitched this as a Disney movie with a script, they would have laughed it off as being you know too unbelievable to make it a worthwhile movie because when you think about offensive line play, right? And yeah, I know you you like to educate your listeners, right? So the offensive line of the guys, it's almost like a chessboard, right? You've got your your king is behind the line of pawns, and the offensive line are your pawns. They are there to block, to get in the way, to create time and space for the quarterback, who's the you know the hero boy of the game, to be able to throw the ball around. The problem is they're facing you know four, five, six sometimes people coming from different angles at different speeds, trying to duck and rip and spin and dive. And if you grab hold of these people, you get penalized, which obviously nobody wants. So when you think about an offensive lineman, right? My ladder is huge. He's big even for offensive linemen. And I know the trend in the league is for it to go bigger, but he's absolutely huge. Now, normally those guys tend to be a bit plodding and slow. But one of the really amazing things about Mylata is his feet are so good and his balance is incredible. So he moves really fast. And I've listened to a whole bunch of podcasts on what makes a good offensive lineman. And the one thing they all say is the ability to keep your top half square, but to have your feet moving like your Fred Astaire on the bottom. And Mylata's feet are as fast as any, but once he plants, the strength that he possesses means that nobody is getting by but even with that, right, like there's plenty of guys who are strong playing tackle. The other thing you've got to have is really good vision and then great hands. And the reason for that is, of course, you're trying to hold people without actually grabbing them. Again, because as we mentioned, penalties, right? If you get an offensive holding call, you go backwards 10 yards. That's a significant penalty. So the fact that with no real experience, just coming out of that international pathways kind of modeling with limited time that he has such really good feet, incredible balance, great hand placement, and he doesn't get knocked down very often. Guys of his height often struggle to get down to the speed rushes, right? Yeah, like the Nakobe Deans of the world, right, who are much smaller and therefore are wriggly and can get around really, really quickly. And again, you can't grab them. So the fact that he's done all of this in just a couple of years, including a year where he was basically... Um, injured, so couldn't really do very much for a season. And he went from a, a seventh round afterthought with a bit of potential to signing a massive deal and being rated as one of the most high potential tackles in the game in just three years is an unbelievably difficult thing to do. It's like, for those in the audience, I mean, you've talked about he comes from a rugby league background. Now, ironically, he wasn't actually much of a rugby league player. He was told that he didn't have the fitness and the speed. He had some um, 
I think heart or lung conditions when he was younger. So he didn't really have the aerobic speed, but it's like somebody just literally coming out of high school, having played soccer their whole lives, signing a deal to play for the Melbourne Storm and going out to start in a grand final. It is equally as improbable as that. And yet he's made it look incredibly easy. And I think he's going to be a mainstay of your offensive line for many, many years to come and an absolute nightmare for the Cowboys to face up to because you just cannot get past him. He allowed, I think he was in the bottom five of pressures allowed um, on the quarterback. And that's even allowing for the fact that Hurts is playing back in shotgun. So you've got more angles that you can go in terms of, you know, wide nines and things. He's still allowed one of the lowest um, amounts of pressures across a season. Um, and really that's necessary for somebody like Hertz who gets kind of happy feet and, um, you know, is not necessarily prone to staying in the pocket and throwing. So he just gives him that little bit more time. And it also then is going to give you guys the chance to see is Jalen Hurts the quarterback of the future? Because um, if not, obviously it's a long way for you to go. But um, yeah, I can't speak enough to just how absolutely incredible it is that he's able to learn the feet, the protections, the hands, the balance, the speed, the eyes, all of that in just a few years with no background in the sport whatsoever. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, uh, you know, if you if you wrote it as a script for a movie that it would get turned down because it's so implausible. I don't disagree. Like it, it just, anyone who's seen the movie The Blind Side, which is about, you know, a, a guy coming from a rough background and becoming the left tackle for uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Great movie. Um, Sandra Bullock, if you haven't seen it, definitely worth watching. This is a yep. far, far longer long shot than that story. And that that's, you know, that that's a Hollywood movie right there. So, uh, yeah. And again, Absolutely. your the detail and your knowledge of these things is staggering. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just I, I really do hope in the, the process of making this podcast, we get past three listeners a week. Um, and, and people do really hear the story because it is really Australians should be proud of this. It's uh, it is an incredible feat. And, and as you say, you know, to do it on the stage that he's doing at, And he is a big man among big men. That's the other side of it. Like he is a yeah. giant human being by any standard. Um, so, yeah, again, very cool for a Western Sydney boy to have uh, turned into what he has. Definitely. Um, hey, so listen, um, we're almost at the 40 minute mark. And I think we've gone deep into uh, <laughs> deep, deep into the jargon on this podcast. So I think maybe we're uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I got to say, you know, it's it's going to be I, I really think it's going to be Eagles Cowboys for the division this year. Um, and I, I like, you know, I, I like you guys, you know, to repeat just purely because you've, you've got form. I think Dak, as long as Dak is healthy, you know, you and I say the same thing as if our teams are healthy, we can be great. But yep. health is health is the key for both squads. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see when we when we tee up against you guys to see whether or not we've closed the gap or not. Um, but, mate, listen, so great to have you on here again. Your knowledge uh, is staggering. I just don't know because if I was also for the fans out there, the audience listening to this, if I ran a cricket podcast, if I ran an NFL <laughs> podcast, uh, you know, if I ran a, a, a podcast on the AFL, Mike would come on and be able to sound like this for all those sports. And I don't know how you do it. I uh, seriously, I don't think you sleep. That's my theory. Um, but mate, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Uh, it's great to have your insights here and um, yeah, I mean, great to have you join. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. And I've got to say, um, it's it's an honor to be here. And I'm really proud of you for doing this because I know how much the Eagles mean to you and what a lifelong passion it is. And 
anytime someone wants to share that passion with the world and try and help people out and educate a little bit. And as you say, look, it might be three listeners, right? But all three listeners are going to come away from each of your podcasts knowing something more than they did the week before. So if you're adding value to people's lives like that, then, you know, keep going because uh, as the classic song says, from little things, big things grow, mate. So very happy to have done this. Really happy to come back anytime. Um, obviously, yeah, as we get near a uh, an Eagles-Cowboys game, definitely, you know, let the sledging begin. But, uh, mate, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, best of luck with it all. Well, and talking about that, I will definitely be getting you back uh, for, you know, Eagles-Cowboys week is going to be a big week. I think we're going to have to do a preview show and we're going to have to do a review show there. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you're keen, mate, you're going to be back soon. And, uh, hey, good luck to you guys for the season. I mean, you know I don't really mean that, but uh, – no. I do hope. Thank you for faking. Yeah, you're welcome. And I genuinely do hope you guys stay healthy because uh, there's nothing worse. You know, a couple of years ago, you guys suffered, you know, horrendous injuries, including Dak. And you don't wish that on any team, any opponent, um, even the Cowboys. So I uh, I would much rather know that we get to square off with healthy, healthy rosters and see truly who the best team is. Mate, absolutely. Same here. I wish the same for you guys. Um, And yeah, look forward to uh, to the match and uh, catching up closer to the time. Yeah, good one. And uh, next time you're in Sydney, we have to get a beer. Absolutely, mate. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's been Michael Delaney joining us from Melbourne, uh, talking us through the Cowboys. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And we will uh, we'll all chat again soon. Thanks again, Mike. Take care. See you, mate. Bye.